0: Hello everyone and welcome to Locked on Flames. Today we have some very exciting news with a much needed Matthew Phillips call-up, Kevin Rooney on waivers, some trade rumors, and of course this goal-tending bounce back. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Flames, or welcome back. My name is Jess Belmosto, and today I am joined by the fantastic Nick Zeraris of Why did I just blank? Liberty Blue Podcast. There we go. I had to think which one I wanted to shout out today, because you do everything. So we, we've got some very exciting things to talk about. We have the Matthew Phillips call-up, Kevin Rooney being placed on waivers, Dan Vladar and Jacob Markstrom, is there this weird tension between them? No, spoiler alert, and of course, the latest, quote-unquote, with uh, the Barack Bozer situation, but thank you all for tuning in, and remember to subscribe to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube as well. Nick, where were you when the news dropped? This is something I will never forget.
1: I was putting together the rundown for this episode, which originally did not feature Matthew Phillips in the rundown of topics. I, I saw the tweet and I was like, well, it's time to rewrite this rundown because this is, this is breaking news and this is an important subject. And this is something we've all been asking for for a couple of weeks now, especially when the team was mired in that losing streak. We're just kind of looking for something, a quick shot in the arm, an easy solution, something internal that doesn't require going outside the organization. And I think the fact that they've won a couple of games in a row now they kind of feel like they have a little bit of runway here to get the season rolling, rolling now. And adding somebody with Matt Phillips' skill set, and he's an offensively gifted player, somebody who's on pace for 100 points in the AHL this year, Uh, he's, he's ready for this. He got drafted six years ago. He's got almost 200 games at the developmental level between the WHL and the AHL. It's a good time to see if he can stick because if he can stick, then that takes away one thing you have to worry about going towards the trade deadline going forward. And it's good that they're doing this now when the team is playing well, a little bit better, because then it's not going to be like an instant pressure where he's going to feel like he needs to be a savior because they're in a losing streak. They called him up to kind of get things going right. On the other hand, by being on a good streak of hockey here, they've won three games in a row, and they've they got a good chance to go to four tomorrow against Columbus. That is a good time to call up a young guy. And now it's just a matter of seeing – if they're going to handle him right, which as we all know, NHL coaches are not the best at handling young players' confidence and they're tr- and trying to manage their development against the backdrop of trying to win games at the same time. Coaches struggle with walking and chewing gum at the same time.
0: Yeah, and especially Daryl Sutter, when he has yeah. this little 5'9 guy uh, coming up. And then, you know, before the show, we were talking about Razichka's success and how – He's been fantastic since he's been called up and you said he's the guy that Daryl Sutter wants. He's the kind of player, he's a big guy and that's the kind of guy that's just gonna draw Sutter's attention and we just have to keep our fingers crossed and hope that we, we don't lose Matthew Phillips to Sutter's patterns of behavior or whatever it may be. But something else to note, was the fourth line last night against the Minnesota Wild. I I am surprised because this was the season low, time on ice for the fourth line. Lucic had, I think, like around seven minutes, and that was the lowest since 2012. I believe it was a game against the Canucks, and of course, his rookie season. Uh, What is Daryl sending a message or, or what?
1: I think he was trying to win that game. I, I, they were down to nothing. He's shortened the bench and said, we got to find a way to win this game. This game is winnable. I don't think we're playing that badly. And that's something you typically see in the playoffs where a coach Mm -hmm. ends up running three lines and two pairs because he doesn't trust the bottom half of his lineup. And it worked. Um, That's not a sustainable thing. You can't play three lines. You can't only play two pairs. For an extended period of time. It's great that they won the game against the wild. They it was good to get. They're still working their way back towards the playoff spot. They're still a couple points back of that second wild card, and every game does matter right now. But I think the combination of waving Kevin Rooney, which we saw today, and calling up Matt Phillips is a sign that. Lucic might not be long for the lineup and that they're going to be able to slide guys down the lineup a little bit more, which is going to make them better. We had talked about this a couple weeks ago with Nikita Zdorov about if he plays a little bit less, it's going to make the minutes he does play better. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Dylan Dubé. Dubé's on a nice run here. He's had a couple goals the last couple games, but he's not a a top six player. He's not going to be able to manage things. And if they slide him down the lineup a little bit more, you slide other guys down, you put Matt Phillips in a position to succeed where he's going to play with other offensively gifted players, that's going to give him the best possible chance to succeed. I don't think Matt Phillips can be successful on the Flames if he's just sliding into that luchi troll on the fourth line where he's only going to get nine minutes a game, that's not his skill set. That th- We know the type of hockey Daryl Sutter wants his team to play, and that doesn't always work with the high-end guys. We, we There's caveats to that. I mean, we know Daryl really was a really fond of Johnny by the end of Johnny's time here last year because yeah. he really took what Daryl told him the heart and got better and had one of the best seasons, if not the best season of his career last year. It, that's not to say Daryl can't find a way to use these smaller guys. It's just that he typically hasn't. I I, I know somebody on Twitter did a thread about this a couple days ago that Daryl Sutter hadn't graduated an, a, a player from the AHL under 5'10 since like 2003. So yeah. like it's been a really long time since Daryl Sutter has caught, wanted somebody this small in his lineup that was already in the organization. He's been stuck with guys like he got here and Johnny was here. He was in LA and I forget who it was that was there that was I think 5859 five, something like that. But this is a way a GM can kind of force the coach's hand is taking away their toys. Don't yeah. you can't play, you can't play the bad players now. You got to use the lineup the way I want you to assemble it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's horrifying. To think that like 2003 because I think some of the players that were drafted this year this in this past draft were born in like 2003 yes so they probably weren't even alive to um when Sutter graduated that player and now here we are 19 years later and we just have to keep our fingers crossed I mean I think That Sutter has kind of, he's still a very stubborn coach, but I think because he had success with Goudreau, he's probably going to look at this and be like, okay, you know, you have the talent. We need that talent. Let's try to mold you into a Daryl Sutter player while you're here.
1: No, definitely, and the thing that's encouraging about this is this isn't like somebody who was only drafted last year or the year before. Matthew Phillips has a lot of developmental league experience. I forget what the exact number was. I wrote it down. He has Uh, 360 games between the WHL and the AHL. That is four and a half years of development and marinating. This isn't like Daryl is getting a fresh out of junior hockey player He's been in this organization for several years now, and he's done all he can possibly accomplish at the AHL level. If you are putting up 100 points in a season at that level, you're not really – there's not really a point to that because you're not helping. It's great that the AHL affiliate is doing well, but at the end of the day, the AHL affiliate's point is to develop players for the NHL. And it's safe to say Matthew Phillips has done all he can for the Wranglers. So to have him up on the roster it's exciting. This is a clear. This is the first time in a while that the Flames have graduated somebody from the AHL to the active roster, and you're going to get a real chance to see what this guy can do, and that's tantalizing. It, it, the that's the thing everybody loves about prospects is they can be anything.
0: Yeah, and we've seen that success with Brzezicka as well, yeah. and I heard that they're that they may not be done with call ups, uh, and Trevor Lewis is. Supposedly, potentially, allegedly, playing through something, so I wouldn't be shocked if we see him placed on IR for a little bit. But sliding into some good news, we're going to talk about some goaltending situations here in Calgary. But before we do that, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest trends and odds for every professional sport and amateur league out there—from football, basketball, to soccer, esports, and more—they've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts and want to switch it up a little bit, head on over to BetOnline because you can find some there as well. We are all, or they're always, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Remember to gamble responsibly while you are, are on Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device, LeapPad, iPad, whatever you decide to learn more. online, where the game starts. Before we talk about the goaltending situation, I do want to remind you all to subscribe to Locked on Flames wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a nice five-star review rating and then write a nice little sentence. Tell us what you're most excited for, who you want the Flames to trade for, or whatever. Just be nice. Please. Lucic last night, before we get into goaltending, they, you know, were going down the line giving hugs and stick taps, helmet taps, whatever, to Dan Vladar. And you would have thought that someone had a gun pressed to Lucic's back to, like, force him to give him, like, a hug. He looked so miserable. And then you get to Markstrom at the end. And Markstrom just looks like the happiest kid on the face of the earth, unwrapping the new Xbox, the new PlayStation, and God, it was so, so refreshing to see.
1: Because it's weird to think about it in this way, but... If Vladar is playing well, that's taking pressure off of Markstrom to get out of this funk. So if Vladar is successful, that's going to give Markstrom the time to give himself like, okay, I need a hard reset here. I need to be put in rice for a couple days. I will be okay, but it's going to take me a little while to get out of this funk. I mean, you saw him say it himself. He said last week, I suck. Right now, I am bad, and I, I mean the game against the Canadians last week. That was like that was probably the low point for for him yeah. this year, and it, it's frustrating when you're in that kind of rut. But it, you can't get discouraged, and the fact that Vladar is playing well that's going to help Markstrom going forward because he's not going to feel as pressed to get it right back together as soon as he can. The fact that they've already given Vladar 10 starts this year, Vladar had 23 all of last year, and we're only in December. So that's encouraging that the coaching staff is trusting him a little bit more. It's encouraging because the team has desperately needed the goaltending situation to stabilize, and Vladar's given them solid results. I mean, he hasn't played out lights out but he's playing like the 17th 16th best goalie in the league and right now if as long as the flames aren't doing what they were doing a couple weeks ago with the bad penalties the penalty kill isn't that great if as long as they're not doing that slightly above average goaltending is all they need to be decent
0: yeah and you know i think when it comes to vladar last year he only started five home games or appeared in five home games And he was asked about that last night and he was like, it feels great to like be able to go right home, celebrate with his girlfriend and like sleep in his own bed after a huge performance. And I think that that also helps in terms of confidence and just, you know, being in a routine because that that is what every athlete, regardless of what sport they play, they live for routine. They're up at four o'clock in the morning, hitting the gym. Eating their tofu. Chicken pasta. Yeah, like they're they're eating and just being crazy with their training. And then, you know, I think Markstrom has just probably had a little bit of a hangover in terms of his workload from last year. You know, you get the summer off, but that, that burnout doesn't magically go away just because you're enjoying your nice summer in Sweden and traveling all over Europe. And then, you know, you get back to work and it's like, oh, right. But it's great to see all of these pieces aligning at what appears to be a really good time.
1: Yeah, no, that's the thing. And it, it's encouraging for the, long, the long-term the long outcome because I... I... The athletic had a feature about this today, just the Flames organizational depth in there. And the thing I was reading in there that I found interesting was that they feel like Vladar can be a number one eventually. Like, yeah, that's probably just the organization gassing up their own guy, but he's shown he hasn't played a ton of games at the NHL level. I mean, coming into this year, I think he had all of 25 NHL appearances total. I think he had five starts on the Bruins and then he had 10 last year or something like that. And he's got 10 this year. That's really not a ton of work. That's not, a, a big sample size to work off of. I mean, a, a couple of years ago when I was interviewing Steve Valaket for something about the Rangers and we were talking about Georgiev because Georgiev was still kind of in, I think it was his second season in the NHL and Georgiev hadn't really played in a good league, like in any point in his life, like oh. he played in, yeah, he played in one of the smaller leagues in Europe where there's not a yeah. lot of NHL talent. So he only had like 40 games, 30 games in the AHL before the Rangers called him up. And Valaket was like, there's no way to know. You no. typically you typically have a good three, four seasons of somebody in the AHL or in a junior league or in a good men's league in Europe, like in Sweden or in Germany yeah. or in Switzerland, where you can kind of get a gauge on what the talent is. For Vladar to be doing this, playing this well with not a ton of NHL experience, that's a good thing. And the one thing I did find interesting when I went on HockeyBiz.com and I was looking at the heat maps and stuff of where scoring chances are coming from and against, the defense is a little bit better in front of Lador than it is in front of Markstrom, which that speaks Ooh. to a, it speaks to a subconscious thing, and this is a real phenomena. I know this was a thing with the Rangers with Cam Talbot and Henrik Lundqvist and Anthony Rondou with Henrik Lundqvist. Subconsciously, the team is like. Lundqvist has this, and for the Flames, it's probably the same thing. Markstrom's got this. If I make a little mistake here, if I'm not exactly where I need to be, he's probably got me. Whereas with Vladar, it's like, ah, we got the backup in there. Let's do what we can to make his life easier. It's a subconscious thing, but it is a real thing that there is some statistical pattern that I've found interesting for a while. And right now, granted, we've only played 30 games so far this year, Mm -hmm. but it's holding true for the Flames as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that is something to definitely – take into consideration and I think my biggest thing when Vladar was traded to Calgary was the numbers and how skewed they were I don't think it's it was fair to look at his five starts or five appearances I think it was in the bubble and his first NHL his oh my god I felt so bad for him his NHL debut was in the bubble and it was after Tuca had left and Halak ended up getting hurt or um, ended up being pulled. And this this kid skates out. And it, I, he had just – I wish I had the numbers in front of me. But it was just – it was horrible. The team had left him out to dry. His coach didn't put him in, you know, a, a decent situation. And then I think the next start, he just allowed like five or six goals. But at the same time, that's not who he was or who he is even if that was who he was, he's definitely developed. I think that he has had an opportunity in both organizations to work with fantastic goaltending coaches and great mentors. You know, it's fantastic coming up with um, Kyle, Kieser, or Kyle Kaiser or Kyle uh Jeremy Swayman, and having Tuka Rask there as your mentor as well. And then you get traded and you have Jacob Markstrom and, you know, really some strong goaltending coaches in Calgary as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing. When you have a healthy dynamic between your goalies, they're just rooting for each other. Yeah. We've seen situations where the backup has kind of expressed animosity about not getting more of an opportunity, but that's not the case here. Markstrom knows he's not playing well, and Vladar is. He's fine with that. Markstrom knows he eventually needs to get back to playing what he was mm-hmm. like. but the, And we've talked about this more than once since I've joined the show as the yeah. co-host, that He's still making really good saves, Markstrom. It's the stupid ones. It's the silly mistakes, the mental you mean where
0: mistakes. where he slides to the neutral zone like it's the cha-cha slide? He went on an adventure. He, couldn't, he was
1: curious. He was like a cat. He just wanted to see what was going on. He went on a little adventure. He oh, had to be a little nosy, and it didn't work out for him, but no. that's the thing. If he can refocus, the high-end saves are still there. I still think about that save he made in the game against the Kings. I think that was two weeks ago. With like 12 seconds left in regulation that saved the game. And the goalie coach mentioned that in the athletic article. It was like he pointed out that specific save where it's like, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. I just think it's a focus thing where he'll take a little bit of time, reset his mind, and he should be fine. And we have a long-term sample of Jacob Marksman being an upper echelon goalie in this league. So this is more of an outlier situation than anything.
0: Right. And I think that's why people get so concerned because it's not something you see frequently and like you said it's the outlier so as soon as like that red flag starts popping up you're just like how do we squash this and is this something that we're able to squash especially because he's on the quote-unquote wrong side of 30 so it's just you know is it the start of the decline or is this just a matter of him being a human being and I think that's Another aspect of hockey that people don't sure. like—that you're not on your video game. Speaking of which, Matthew Phillips has uh, is rated a 74 on NHL, and I was mortified by that, but I also get it because he hasn't had much NHL experience. But anyway, one game,
1: one game, yeah. two years ago, yeah.
0: But that's that. Yeah, I don't know. Goalies are human. Goalies are great. Goalies
1: are weird. That's yeah. the thing. That's that position is so hard to evaluate year to year because it changes because it's so situational dependent. You can be a really good goalie on a bad team, mm-hmm. and yeah, you'll probably be all right in terms of goals saved above expected, but you still probably lose a lot of games. Right. That's the thing. Markstrom's right now is letting in the goals he shouldn't. Once mm-hmm. that goes away other than that, he'll be all right. I mean, when you look at where the goals are that he's conceding, there's a lot of stuff around the net front, which speaks to deflections and rebounds and means that the defense needs to be tighter in front of him. And it's stuff from the high slot, which typically means he's screened. He's not seeing the puck. Well, the ones he's having, he should be all right. But I think if the flames can clean up what's in front of them a little bit, I think that'll help him a lot. Like we said before, they're playing tighter in front of the than they are in front of Markstrom. If they can get a little more consistent in the two, that That'll help Markstrom along. I mean, right now, Markstrom's underlying numbers are not pretty. I mean, he's four under, yeah, four and a half goals. He's conceded four and a half goals more than you would expect based on where the shots have come from against him. That's not a crazy number. There are definitely guys lower than him, but that's not encouraging for somebody who's been, you know, 10 to 15 goals above what you would expect from based on what. So it's something to keep an eye on for sure. It may be the start of the decline. It could also just be a bad situation.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I'm really not. I, I think I was concerned at first because I was just like, oh, my God, this is not how this season was supposed to start. This is, you know, a slow start was expected, but it wasn't supposed to be goaltending. But, you know, life happens. We're 30 something games into this around and um, th- things are OK. There's still a lot of hockey left.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that's the thing. There's there's a lot of runway. It it you just got to keep rattling them off here. Take advantage of the situations you get. Minnesota gave them that game on Wednesday. Uh, any other yeah. uh, if that game happened like uh, maybe even like a week before, the Flames probably lose that game like 4 to 1 with two empty net goals conceded, but they found a way to hang around in that game. They took advantage of a Minnesota team that's kind of yep. in a weird spot and that's what matters.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And You know, Markstrom used to be on top of those uh, goals above
1: expected. There you go. You got it.
0: Goals above expected and whatnot. But, like, he used to be on top of that. And you know what? That's okay because the people that are on top of that are working extra hard and may run out of gas sooner. He's just on eco mode right now. He'll turn it up to sport when the time is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up next, we are going to talk about some wonderful trade rumors and clickbait uh, in terms of Brock Bozer coming to the Calgary Flames. But before we do that, of course, I do have something to ask of you. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Nick Zoraris and Jess Belmosto and LO underscore Flames pod. When I saw these rumors, I was like, there is absolutely no way there's there's you know people write stuff people tweet stuff it's like the eyeball emoji during free agency but i don't know what do you think
1: the insiders are addicted to the dopamine machine that that's yeah. really all it is and this is something that I've talked about a lot over the years It's just the contentification of journalism has kind of killed sports journalism because all of these people need to put out things so they can sell ad space so that they can pay their bills and because there is an obligation to put out x number of content every day you need to find ways to fill the void even if there is no news to report there probably isn't a whole lot going on on the broad. Besser front but trade rumors a name Brock Besser a a marquee I can't say marquee play a well-known player a notable player a team that has a very online fan base in the Canucks all three of those things are things that will get you engagement when you talk about them on social media it'll get that people to click on your content engage with your content that's all the trade rumor stuff is, is fueling the contentification of sports media. And it's why it's made it harder to get good information because everybody has to fill these quotas to meet obligations as yeah. opposed to reporting what's actually going on. It's very early to be talking about trading anybody. I mean, the Canucks aren't playing well, but they're only like seven, eight points back of a playoff spot. And it's only December. There's a lot of time for them to get in to a better situation or teams in front of them to fall out of those playoff off spots you typically won't see guys get traded until closer to the deadline because the cap situation is more favorable that way you'll have more cap space banked by that time and the player will be owed less money because their salary gets prorated once they get traded yeah so that that's the thing here. It's just it's noise until it isn't. Until we actually get a trade confirmed mm-hmm. report, that it's just conjecture at this point. And it, it, the information is coming from Vancouver, who wants to get rid of him, and right. they're going to say the asking price is this to get it out there so right. other teams can make a counter offer. That's all this is. You got to realize that the insiders are just laundering information for the organizations,
0: right? And I think that this that him being scratched from the hockey fights or the connects fight cancer night was the perfect catalyst for this yeah. because, you know, obviously he shouldn't have been scratched for that game. I don't think, but at the same time, like what, what better time is it to start selling these headlines and to start being like, Hey, Besser wants to be on the move this is the this is what they're asking for and then you get you know everybody putting up trade packages and i saw i believe it was daily face off put out an article today five projected um targets for our landing spots for them so it's like they get what they want congrats you're running the stories
1: yeah, I mean, because he's not having a good year. This is the worst year Brock's had in the NHL. He's playing the lowest time on ice he's ever played in the NHL. I mean, for context, he's been mid-70s in terms of goals above replacement in percentiles. So, like, if you laid out every NHL player mm-hmm. from 0 to 100th percentile, he's been consistently, like, 74, 75%. So, upper echelon player for sure. This year, he's 20%, which that goes That's to show bad. you he... Yeah, he's not playing particularly well. It's been a weird it's been a weird year for him. Everybody knows he lost his father over the summer. He's kind of been through a really difficult situation. He had major wrist surgery 2 years ago which his shot still really isn't the same. There's a lot of compounding factors here that are contributing to his weak season. And he just signed a new contract in Vancouver. Vancouver wants cap flexibility. They've floated out there that they're willing to take less in return for him because they want the cap flexibility when they should have just traded his restricted free agent rights over the summer, and they wouldn't have this problem. But the Canucks are not great at managing their finances, as anybody who's followed hockey news for the last seven, eight years is aware of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's. I feel like that's the one thing we've all watched and can agree upon is – the Canucks trying to manage their finances is a mess. Uh, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's fun to watch because it is at expense of other players. But, you know, people are saying let's Huck just throw Lucic over there, completely forgetting that he has the no movement clause. Um, and I think even if they throw in two or three prospects or something like they're still unable to be cap compliant. Like they're a million no. or like a hundred thousand dollars over or something.
1: Well, they waived Rooney today that saves them. I think but, the difference between Phillips and him, I think it comes out to like 400,000 in cap space. And right now they have like 1.3. 3 million in cap space so that would get you to 1.7 and luchich makes i think 4.1 that would get you close to brock's number but the problem would be going into the future and two years future to make the math work this is just conjecture I, i i think of the possible landing spots for Besser that makes sense i could see i could see colorado i could see the islanders I could maybe see the Rangers. I I don't see Calgary as a viable landing spot because they don't have the cap space to make it work uh, without trading out somebody who's making money, which would defeat the purpose because the Canucks want to shed salary. They don't want to take equal amount of salary back. The only thing you could do is trading an expiring contract so that at the end of this year, Vancouver would have that cap space, which is why everybody goes to Lucic because he is an expiring contract. But He holds negative value as a trade asset, so you're kind of going to have to figure out what you're going to do with him the rest of this year.
0: And he has so much beef with Vancouver. Yes, he does. Congrats, honestly, if you're not on this list of people he has beef with or places, I guess. Um, Real quick, people have talked about Sean Monaghan coming back on a team-friendly deal since his contract is up at the end of the year. What what are your thoughts on that?
1: I don't think he would do that. I I, I think he's what he's what 30, 31? No,
0: he's 28.
1: Yeah, that's right, because he got called up when he was young. Uh, I still don't think it would make sense. He This no. is his last chance to get one big contract. And then maybe in like three or four years from now, you could talk about coming back on a team-friendly deal. When you're at that point of your career, when you're in your late 20s, early 30s, that's your last chance to get one big contract, set up your finances for the rest of your life, for your kid's yeah, life. Yeah, Taking a team-friendly deal wouldn't behoove him at this point in his career unless he wanted to go somewhere in pursuit of a Stanley Cup, which that's a little bit different. There aren't as many people who were inclined to do that. But no, I I don't really see a world in which that would make sense for him. I mean, for the flame, sure. But for him, I wouldn't recommend that if I was his agent.
0: No. And he's also hurt again. So yeah, I just, I, I don't, I love the concept of him coming back. Yeah. But realistically, I don't think that right now it is something in the cards.
1: No no it it wouldn't make sense
0: no at least right now maybe in three years if we're still hosting this show we will come back yes cold takes expose ourselves, i guess but is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up today's show
1: the flames play johnny gaudreau tomorrow
0: They do. And I believe they wear their Blasty jerseys tomorrow, which um, it's funny because they actually scheduled their Blasty jerseys for when Johnny and Mac. And I I love that. I think that's great. Um, I don't think that's like some people would go, it's just a coincidence. No, you look at the schedule when you nah, play
1: games. Yeah, it's a promotional thing. Like you're in cur- trying to get people to go to that game already. That's an extra layer of like, ooh, come see the alternate jerseys that they right. only wear eight times the whole year.
0: Yeah. Right. I love the Blasty jerseys. They're that so home.
1: nice. So nice. Uh, do you like
0: the Blasties or the Pedestal more? The Blasties. Yeah, I agree. I do really like how the Pedestals look on the ice, though. They do. They do. They do look let us know in the comments what you guys think, because I, I don't think I could do a blasty and stripes jersey at- but you know, they have a great design team over over yonder in Calgary, but we'll be I'll be back tomorrow to talk about wonderful Johnny coming to town. And of course, thank you, Nick, for joining me today. It's always a blast, always a pleasure. Uh make sure you follow Nick on Twitter. Nick, Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. There we go. Look at that. I didn't miss any vowels. And of go course team. you can <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Spellmasto as well. Uh follow the show's social media, L-O- underscore Flames Pod. And yeah, we'll we'll be back next week with some more shenanigans and We will have to see if this fourth line is going to be playing cardio minutes, not even like a cardio, like not even like a true cardio workout. It's just like those first five minutes when you're on the treadmill and then you're like, oh my God, I gotta get off. This is miserable. Uh.